Pickaxe. Hello, my friend. My name's Sean, and I want to end your suffering. No, not like that. With meditation in my new podcast, Mindfulness for Gamers. Each episode, I'll take you through how mindfulness can help you to feel less anxious and frustrated and put you on the path of happiness, all through the lovely, grimy lens of video games. So make time to level up your mental health and take the first step on your spiritual skill tree. Join me and subscribe to Mindfulness for Gamers right here, right now. and welcome to the new episode of Video Game Movie Podcast. I shouldn't say new episode, should I, when it's a, a podcast you can catch up with at any time, because this will be old as soon as there's another episode in a week's time. Uh, speaking of the episode in a week's time, today's episode we're going to do the original film, I said original film, don't get angry with me, Jamie, from 2002, Paul W.S. Anderson's thrilling horror movie, Resident Evil, starring Mila Jovovich and Michelle Rodriguez. And this is because next week, or technically today, as of the release of this episode, today will be the release in the UK of the new Resident Evil movie, Welcome to Raccoon City. But there's no way we'd be able to get that episode watched and record the episode for it for today. So that will be next week. So if you want to hear our opinion on the brand spanking new Resident Evil Welcome to Raccoon City, that will be next week's episode on the 10th of December. However, it's not just me here. I'm Rory Justin from Cyberpunk Studios. I'm joined today, as per usual, by my bestie boy, which is Jamie Evans... From Impala Films, say hello, Jamie. Hello. Jamie's favourite film is Resident Evil 2002. Uh, You've got to stop doing this, Rory. (laughs) You know this is the only time I can really do it, because we're never going to do this film again. You've done it with nearly every episode we've done so far. You're all over Facebook claiming Sega Hard Girls is my favourite show. I didn't say it was your favourite. I said you were enjoying it. So, because I read your post, your post was basically saying that you hated it, you couldn't believe it, you you felt you, basically you were t- taking saying yeah, it was a horrible show and you can't believe that you watched it. So I just took that and spun it that you know you were blessed to watch it. All right, it. calm down, Alistair Campbell. Well, I am Alistair Campbell. <laughs> I am. I, I, I see the guy who made the. No, he's not the guy who made the soups, is he? That's, no, he's Tony Blair's spin dog. No, I don't want to be. T- no, I don't want to do that anymore. So. <laughs> <laughs> He's not the Campbell's soup guy, I don't so, want to know. Anyone who has listened to my former podcast, Jamie, your film taste sucks. Or pretty much anything or from this. followed me on Twitter or Instagram or <laughs> Facebook. Or the or, first episode of this. Or the first episode of this. Or has ever really interacted with me ever in any way will know that I despise... Paul W.S. Anderson and his Resident Evil movies. I am going to try and stay calm through this episode, mostly because there are five more of these fuckers, and they get increasingly worse, and I don't want to overdo my rage on this first episode and then not have any higher to go. And to be fair, this is one of the best of that six-film run. 
Yes, yes, this is the best of them, which is a low, low bar, um, Paul Anderson. I, generally I did say speaking, the best of films, yeah, I did say the best in the series. Generally speaking, I try not to slag off other filmmakers. Sometimes I will criticise their films. Uh, I try not to slag them off themselves because um, it's unprofessional and I'm going into that industry myself. But I make exceptions for Uwe Boll and Paul W.S. Anderson because Paul W.S. Anderson has literally, I know you disagree with this, Rory, has literally never made a good movie in his life and, and more importantly, is dangerous. If you know anything about what happened on the final Resident Evil film, which I'm not going to get into here, um, but the the man is dangerous to work for and I think he's unethical and I, I I do not like him at all well there are some elements of that that we can touch on on this film because there are a couple of dangerous things that have happened on this film while it was in production i'm sure i'll let you go through those when they turn up have we Um, fact checked those i I thought you would have since it's your favorite series i I meant resident evil in general not not the films (laughs) that's right keep keep going fair enough um so yeah it's so long as we fact check those and they are accurate then we're going to have uh, Jamie add his voice onto certain things in this film that Paul S. W. S. Anderson did that were dangerous. Now, the reason I disagree with him uh, on the fact that Paul W. S. Anderson has never made a good film ever is that this Resident Evil film, to me, is kind of average, which therefore isn't bad. How And also the fact that I actually really enjoyed his Mortal Kombat movie from 1995. However, and we'll come to this when we watch Mortal Kombat from 1995... There was additional fight scenes put in because there weren't enough of them. And those fight sequences weren't choreographed by the choreographer that W.S. Anderson hired. And they also weren't directed by Paul W.S. Anderson. They were created by the guy who plays Liu Kang in that film. Because Paul W.S. Anderson didn't think to write in or film enough fight sequences for the movie. And as such, he had to rely on Liu Kang to finish the film for him in post. So they had to do extra filming shots, which is where the fight with Reptile and stuff like that comes in later on. Anyway, that's for a different movie entirely. So let's let's be clear. The, the only really good film I enjoy on a repeat basis from Paul W.S. Anderson is Mortal Kombat, and it was realistically salvaged by Liu Kang, which is fitting for a Mortal Kombat movie since it's the saviour of Mortal Kombat. Let's start the storyline of this movie, though. 2002's Resident Evil. Can you do the Resident Evil boom? Resident. No, sometimes I can. It's got to be boomy, isn't it? Resident Evil. Resident Evil. They do, they're all different in each one. Because like Resident Evil 4's was like Resident Evil 4. Yes. Resident Evil. I like the deep bassy ones. I think that was in the remake, the deep bassy voice. Anyway. Have you ever heard the Game Boy one? <laughs> Did they have a voice on the Game Boy yeah, one? Yeah, and it's like, Resident Evil. <laughs> it's normally what happened when they used uh, <laughs> basic sound chips to do voice. So, this film opens with a voiceover exposition, which is always a great start to a film. Now, I know... There has been a couple of films that had a famous exposition crawl, Star Wars being the majorative one where people renown it for the way they did the opening scroll. But in general, voiceover and text exposition at the beginning of a film 
aren't a great look because they don't really establish a universe. It's just like, oh, by the way, before I begin, I forgot to add this into the film. So that's kind of what it feels like here as well. But whatever, it's just a basic explanation of who Umbrella are, what their importance are to the story and how they've got the power they've got. So it's not too bad as far as exposition is concerned, but it does sting a little bit of, we forgot to add this in, so we've added it here in post. Now, a man is handling controlled viruses in a controlled environment. He pulls them out in a briefcase, so he's obviously taking them somewhere. He then pulls out one vial of this blue virus, throws it, and it breaks on the side of a table, releasing an infection into the air duct system, and that then is shown to be spreading the virus throughout the facility. The dogs notice in this facility, and they bark absolutely everywhere. Because uh, dogs can sense a virus. Yes, they can smell it. They can smell the evil. They can smell the resident evil. Which is ironic, because this isn't, isn't actually a resident of virus, because this, this is laboratory evil. Uh, so <laughs> it's not actually in a residential zone. Uh, so the dogs bark, the employers assume there's a fire drill going on, and I've put, well, how 3,000 sets of sprinklers and traps the employees. Yeah, right, can we just get into this? Like, yeah. So Paul Anderson, in the run-up to this film, very famously kept saying that he was a huge fan of the franchise, and that, quote, you would struggle to find a bigger fan of Resident Evil than him. Right, okay. When, since when were psychotic AIs similar to HAL 9000? Since when were they part of Resident Evil? Because I'm, I missed that bit. And I've played every single game in this franchise, even, even Resident Evil Gaiden on Game Boy Color. And weirdly, I've played one of the ones you haven't played, because I have it on the Tiger well, GameCon, Resident Evil 2. Kind of just uh, undercut me there saying that I've played them all, but yes. Well, um, you've played all the I've ones that actually make sense, because Resident Evil 2 on the GameCom does not count. I've played Resident Evil 2, I just haven't played that version of it. And it, it's dire. In fact, apparently there's no Claire storyline on it. No, there's not. It's yeah, Leon. It's just only. Leon. Um, um, but yeah, this, this just reeks of what Anderson started doing, which is, I, I would bet dollars to donuts that he had a script that was about a mercenary team trapped in a futuristic building... Uh, being picked off by an artificial intelligence, right? I bet you that's a spec script he had lying around that no one would fund because it's fucking stupid. And then he went, oh, I know, I'll somehow get the rights to Resident Evil. Well, they'll be basing it on the appearance of the Red Queen in this, which I believe is very much based on... Was it the White Queen in Resident Evil 2? In the Hive? They They had an AI, didn't they, in Resident Evil 2's Hive? No. Are you sure? I swear there was a. I swear there's a game where there's like a red queen. Or was that Code Veronica? No, 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 no. So that wouldn't have. So it would have been in. So after the films came out, yeah, uh, Capcom decided to then, after the films came out, make the Red Queen canon. Uh, by introducing her into Resident Evil: The Umbrella Chronicles, but I keep put to point out here, it's very different. She is just a computer in that there is no holographic little girl. No, 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 no. no... So I'm not talking about the holographic little girl, but I'm pretty certain there's a like a a hive queen in the hive a, as what an hive? AI. What hive? There's no hive in the game. In the second one, when you go underground to William Birkin's laboratory. Yeah. Are you talking about the remake? 
Yeah, I'm it's called Nest. It's called Nest. Right, the but remake. there's yes, but there's no, there's no AI. There's a pre-recorded tannoy right. that says "Welcome to Nest." Right. Okay. No, fair enough. I am wrong. I will. Uh, I, As I'll, always, I'll bend. No, no, you're often wrong because you think <laughs> W. S. Anderson hasn't created a decent film, and he has created Mortal Kombat. <laughs> We're never going to agree with that, are we? No. Anyway, anyway, back to the film. So. There's this virus being leaked by Howl 3000. We'll actually just call it Red Queen from now on. It sets off the sprinklers, apparently, and traps employees in airtight rooms to drown them to death. For some reason, one of the... In this particular lab that's sealed off, there's a pickaxe that one of them manages to pick up and smash into the window just to show that they can't break through it. Why there's a pickaxe in a virus lab, I don't know. I don't really fully understand what that's doing in there, but fair enough. The facility and the employees that we see, they're dressed in suits that are more reminiscent of a bank than a lab. I don't understand why there's so many business dress people in there and not so many doctors. You'd imagine them to all be people in lab coats, not people dressed for business, sit at a computer in a desk. Now, the thing is, is essentially we get the impression very quickly that the Red Queen is killing off all the staff. Either by drowning them, by dropping lifts with them in them to like basically murder them and splatter them at the bottom of a lift shaft. And things like that, which we later find out, spoiler alert though, you knew this was coming, basically to stop them from spreading the infection. However, after a, a bit of horror at the beginning of showing some people get mutilated in various ways, she then just gasses the rest. And it's like, well, why would she not just gas everyone dead instead of destroying the infrastructure? Like, rather than smash the lift, just gas them. That, if, that is, if that's an option, just do that. Don't re- screw around with destroying the internal systems of the... of, of Well, I was going to say nest then, the hive. Alison then wakes up in the shower, lying naked on the floor, and has no idea who she is or where she is. As she's walking around trying to pick up clues, soldiers break in through the windows with tear gas and drag her and another confused survivor, who I will later call... Because I don't know his name. Do you know his name? Who? The guy who ends up in the white tank top and uh, becomes Nemesis. Uh, Eric Mabius is the actor's name. The character's name is Matt. Unfortunately, I don't know his surname. No, no one cares. So, <laughs> Alice and Matt are then dragged with the team into the underground railway system and they actually find another guy there who I also don't know the name of who is Alice's boyfriend it turns out later on Mm. and he's also forgotten his memory forgotten his memory? I suppose that's technically correct he's forgotten yeah he's forgotten who he is and everything as well so the soldiers take them all down into the underground facility uh, to find out what's going on now the sets down here are great I think um, the actual, the, in terms of yeah, I'll give them this. A lot, a lot of the sets I don't mind in this film. Um, I will give them that. The problem with the colour grading is that it's done that very 2000s thing again where they've graded it very blue. Yeah. Which probably ruins some of the aesthetic. I understand they were trying to make it look colder because of the type of film it is. That's fine, I don't have a problem with that. But it's to the point where it kind of destroys some of the cinematography as it goes. They would have been better off actually lighting it blue rather than tinting it blue in post. So they're now down in this area. Alice touches her, what we find out later to be her boyfriend's hand. And we get in a moment that's akin to Unbreakable with Bruce Willis, where he can touch people and sense their badness. She touches him and sense their romanceness. 
Michelle Rodriguez, from here on we'll call her Rain because that's her character's name, she finds a zombie while they're down there and gets bitten in the hand while trying to basically ask her, if, ask this zombie if she's fine. The zombie isn't fine, the zombie is a zombie. Bites her in the hand and they end up shooting her until more zombies appear. Have I missed the entire corridor section? You've missed the laser corridor. How have I missed the laser corridor? I didn't write any notes on the laser no, corridor. No, you have... Yeah, yeah, you've missed the laser corridor. Yeah, let's talk about the laser corridor. So, it just, I forgot about that, and that's actually one of the best bits in the film. Like, in terms of the visuals and the, you know, okay, as will... an action element, it's 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 will... a good action element. Right, no, I will admit the laser corridor, I'll be, I'll be honest, I'm going to be completely honest here, I'm all, you know, all skeletons out of the closet. When I was about 13 and I first saw this film, and I wasn't as familiar with the game series, I actually didn't mind this film, I quite liked it, me and my brother and sister watched it multiple times. And yes, at 13 the laser corridor was cool as shit. And I'll even go as far as to admit, having watched it tonight with you, yep. um, the effects in that scene hold up. Yep. Uh, except maybe the fingers. The fingers look a bit janky. I think it's because the hand is too fat for the size of the actor. Well, no, the hand is the... No, the hand is real. What they did was they covered his fingers in green and oh, CG'd them out. Okay. And when he's waving his hand oh, around, you can it see clips not... a bit. Yeah, and it's it's a well done scene. My problem with the scene is two things. One, this is a movie called Resident Evil about bioorganic weapons. Yep, and at least half your cast, if not more. Well, much, much more than half, if you count everyone at the beginning, are actually murdered by a computer and not the bioorganic weapons. Yeah, I think only two are killed by a zombie and, and one liquor. is killed... No, two are killed by liquors. Yeah. So that's four um, deaths by something that's not the computer. Yeah. My other problem with it is that Anderson goes on to reuse this scene... Over and over again. Because it was so popular. And it, yeah. even, it even then started making its way into the games, and you have laser corridor sequences in 4, yep. uh, 6, and you have the exact laser corridor literally modelled after the one from the film mm. in the Umbrella's End level of Umbrella Chronicles. Wow. Um, spoiler alert for everyone, because who cares, and the film is old as shit. This laser corridor is revisited again in the final film in the series, because Anderson wants to do callbacks to his own film, and this corridor is where the final fight of the franchise takes place. Right. Yeah. Right, okay. I mean, that's a cool idea. If only he hadn't abused it in every other film, it probably would have stood as a quite a cool callback. Mm. Um, however, something I've just realised, this film, being from 2002, it's nearly 20 years old. I know. So, it's, yeah, it's, it's, if anyone says, well, it's quite a recent film, it really isn't now. It's two no, decades no, no. old. It's getting towards a quarter of a century old. Jesus Christ. That's unbelievable, isn't it? It is. I tell you what is something that I think a lot of people forget is how relatively close to the game this one was yeah. in terms of release. So Resident Evil, the first game, was 96. This was in production by 99. Yeah. Like, it was quite quick they started trying to make a Resident Evil film. By the time this was out, or, or by the time this was in production, because they wouldn't have been able to really do much or add too much from games that came out afterwards, by the time it came out, Code Veronica was out. Yeah. But Code Veronica would not have been in production from the time that this started production, necessarily. Or at least they wouldn't necessarily have had all the design documents from Code Veronica. Yeah. They would have had the design documents from uh, completed games more so, yeah. such as Resident Evil 1 and Resident Evil 2. It was uh, Yeah, at the time that they went out to look for... Because I know quite a bit about the production of the film. Mm. So originally, George A. Romero was 
hired to make the film. Yep. AKA the father of zombie movies. Yep, and they didn't want um, him. Which would have been much better. He wrote a script and everything that, yeah, it had changes, don't get me wrong. But Jill Valentine place, was the lead, wasn't she, in that Jill one? Jill Valentine was the lead. Chris Redfield was a Native American, was one of the big changes. Uh, but hey, that was George Romero fighting diversity even back then. Yeah. But it still had the mansion, it had the tyrant, and it had Wesker betraying everyone. But the studio went, eh, we, horror's not very big at the because the 90s was kind of a shit decade for horror movies. Yeah. Um, Apart with the exception it, of Scream, yeah, which it had did a, really well. It had a half revival, didn't it, towards the end, yeah. and then it died again in the 2000s. Um, and zombie movies were considered dead at this point. That's that's hard for us to imagine now, because zombies have become this huge thing. So, certainly but since The Walking Dead. It was considered that zombies had run their course at that point, yeah. and there's actually three films that are always credited with reviving the zombie genre, oh. and it is actually Resident Evil... Dawn of the Dead, the remake, Dawn of the Dead, and Shaun of the Dead. Yes, Shaun of the Dead. I can understand Shaun of the Dead. I would understand this more if the zombies had been more of a feature. It's really weird to say, because there are a lot of them in it, Mm. but they don't really... I wouldn't have said the zombies in this film were memorable. No, they're not. They're very generic. You know, the, the liquor is quite memorable, though I have to say the CGI isn't held up. No. And the laser corridor is memorable to the point where they've used it ad nauseum, but at least taking this film in its own yeah. you the, know, sphere, the compu- that's memorable. The computer is the most memorable bit. Yeah. It, it has the most memorable line in the film that was yeah. in all the trailers. When they, um, when they first meet the computer and they tell her they're going to shut her off, and she's going, please don't do this, please, and they're loading up the machine to turn her off, and you get this sound of like it powering up like a... That powers up, you see it hit 100%, and she literally turns and looks at them, and this I remember this was in all the trailers, this posh British girl just looks straight at them, nearly at the camera, and goes, you're all going to die down here. And then they shut her off. And that yeah. is the most iconic line of the of the film. Yeah, and here's something that I'm a bit disappointed about with this film, because it is cheese. Even if you like the film, it's cheese. There's no getting around that. And that's fine, because that would fit the vibe of Resident Evil anyway. It, well, it is, this is my problem, is the Anderson films don't embrace the cheese enough, in my opinion. No, no, This sure. is why I'm looking forward to Welcome to Raccoon City. A lot, of, a lot of people are slagging Welcome to Raccoon City off because of how cheap it looks. I'm glad it looks cheap, which I realise makes me in the minority. Mm. But the director has clearly said in multiple interviews that he's trying to emulate the look of old George Romero movies from the 80s okay. and John Carpenter movies from the 80s, which which were famously rather cheap looking. Yeah, yeah. And it was all about what they did with the little budget they had. The Resident Evil games have always been inspired by American B-movies. Yeah. Um, you know, that original game game the cheesy live action opening the dialogue in general you know the you were almost a jill Jill sandwich Sandwich. and it's blood i hope it isn't chris's blood i'm hoping they do that the problem is the mainstream audience won't i guarantee you most hardcore resident evil fans they will love it if it's that cheesy and that and it embraces that B-movie nature. But a mainstream the problem, audience might not. The problem you're going to have is the mainstream audience won't get it. Because when I talk to everyone, they literally just... I know people, 
and this this saddens me, and I, I don't mean to get super serious on a podcast that's usually no, go funny. Ahead. But this, I know this one is one of the few films mm. that deals with a subject that's close to you. Yes, right. You know, but, Super Mario Brothers movie wasn't that. Sega yeah. Her Girl certainly wasn't that. But th- this is a, a film. This is my criticism of film watchers in general. It genuinely saddens me when people consider the phrase low budget to be a valid criticism of a film. I literally know people who simply will not watch an independent film purely because they know it's not going to be filled with CGI explosions. And it pains me because the truth is, and I like Marvel movies as much as anyone does, but the truth is all of the best most interesting and creative movies being made right now are all made at the independent level. Yeah. Hollywood is too homogenised. Well, it's also... Hollywood insists on spending a huge amount of money on films, where even in places where they needn't. Yeah. As an example, we talked about was it postal with the like the the cat's bum forty five thousand dollar yeah cat's cat's bum pistol shoot well that's Which, if, by, if, by the way how, is from the game apparently oh okay uh, but yeah but it wasn't me. but it wasn't necessary yeah, because I agree. A, a, a two dollar cat toy would have done just as well I agree it was a terrible animatronic however that's not like unique to Uwe Boll even no because the first John Wick had an extremely expensive special effect put mm. in. That could have been solved for about a dollar. Yeah. But they spent several thousand. And it's the bit right at the start of the first John Wick when his dog is on his lawn and takes a shit. The shit on the floor is CGI. Right. Why? Because they're like, well, we couldn't get the dog to shit. It's like, just buy a dollar store turd. Yeah. Because it's from a distance anyway. It would have looked realistic enough. But they've spent thousands basically adding in a CGI turd. Bloody for him to pick up, and so yeah. I, that it's, it, this is what I mean. It's like that, and they're just like, "Well, we'll just fix it in post. Several yeah. thousand dollars, whatever. Just put in a CGI poo." Obviously, if you were independent, you wouldn't go. Oh, we'll just mm. st- stick ten thousand pound on a poo. Yeah. You just go. Well, where's that dollar store poo? We'll put that there, and that's a dollar spent. Yeah. That's a shame, but you know we've got it now. So, so I guess what I'm saying to the audience really is, I'm pleading with you guys. And Give I it a know, chance. The, the thing is, I know general audiences won't be what, listening to this podcast anyway. Probably not. But please give independent films a chance. You know, I went to watch Last Night in Soho, which you, you can even know, Last Night in Soho is not exactly a mainstream Hollywood movie. No, no. I but I went say. to see Last Night in Soho on its premiere day, first showing. It was only on one screen, one screen on its... Pre- Edgar Wright is one of our biggest directors here in Britain. Yeah, yeah. It's on one screen, only three showings, and the cinema was literally, I would say, probably slightly more than half was empty. Though I will say some of that may be still due to COVID, but it is still sad yep. to see that you know well, it this, hasn't hit the blockbuster. This is the theory skew. I've this is the theory I've heard because apparently Ridley Scott's new movie, The Last Jewel, is incredible and it's completely bombed. It's the worst box office of Ridley Scott's career. Oh Jesus! And, they're and say- he's had Blade Runner. Yeah, and they're they're saying that one of the reasons for that could be that. That and Last Night in Soho, these are movies aimed at older audiences. Older audiences are still more cautious about COVID. Staying home. Whereas teenagers are more like, yeah, I'm not going to get COVID, I'm young yeah, and strong. Or I won't die if I get it, which isn't true, but they, they seem to yeah. believe it is. Anyway, let me dial this back to what we were talking sure. about. So yes, I will admit that the corridor sequence is good in this film. Yes. I just hate what... It you just hate that it got you overused following it but taken in isolation i think it's one of the standout scenes of this film we, we all i also pointed out and i i'll admit it this is the only 
maybe not the only one in the franchise, but watching it, I was like, oh my god, there was a time when Mila Jovovich put effort into these movies, yep. and she's actually trying to act. Yeah. Whereas in some of the later ones, she is just oh. running on autopilot. She's just phoning it in. Well, here's the irony: because you, I don't think you've seen Mila Jovovich in anything else, have you? Uh, I've seen her in The Fourth Kind. Right. I seen and that. I've seen I've only ever seen clips of the fifth element. Yeah. I've never seen the whole film. I would have to show you the fifth element one day. It's a really good film. Really yeah. enjoyable, really fun. Like like you'd I think you'd really like it because it is just fun. Yeah. Brilliant fun. By Luc Besson. Um yeah. who made Leon the Professional yeah, and The Transporter. The only Luc Besson film I've seen is one of his not very well regarded ones. Ah, okay. Which is Lucy. With Scarlett Johansson. Oh, yeah. I, I didn't like Lucy either. Yeah. I know some people who loved it, but again, it's more body gore horror. And I didn't like the ending. It didn't seem to make much sense to me. No, it didn't but, make any sense to me. Um, but yes, uh, there are, including my own dad, who was just like, oh, I think it was a brilliant film. And I was just like, eh, it doesn't do it for me. But that's fine. We're all entitled to different opinions. Mm. But yeah, so Fifth Element is a great film. And I think she acts well in that film, though I will say it's not a particularly taxing role. Yeah. It's, you know, because it is essentially a, an action flick. A comedy action flick. However, I have also seen her in... What's it called? Ultraviolet? No. I have that, but I haven't Hell watched it boy. yet. No, it's... No, 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 no. I'm, I'm talking about a, a, a historic film. Dazed and Confused. No, a historic film. That, was, that is an old film. That's her first film. No, a historic film. As in, it's set in the past. Yeah. Uh, it's... Oh, what's her name? The famous French woman. Amber... Oh, Joan of Arc. Joan of Arc. I've seen her in Joan of Arc. And... Her performance in that requires some actual acting chops. Yeah. I thought she was very good in it. Um, playing a woman who has to stand up and be a, you know as strong as a man in a man's world. And you're like, oh, it's kind of... It feels like it's a woman empowerment film for the most part. Yeah. Until you get to the end, you realise she's just fucking insane. Yeah. And it's like that twist and the way that's done by Dustin Hoffman's character, which is essentially the form of Jesus, possibly Satan, in her own head... Is brilliant the way okay. he just kind of twists the the events where she's seen herself going. Well, I've got to rise in order to protect my people for the good of France, for the good of all mankind. You know, do, doing what Jesus tells me to do, and she's following the will of Jesus. And then it gets to the end, and when she reviews it all back in her head, she's just bloodthirsty, and she's been lying to herself that it's all in the name of God and for the good of Jesus. Yeah. And it's uh, and that required some acting chops. So she has got them, mm. and this film shows them a bit. Because yeah. it gives her something to do. But yeah, certainly from the second one onwards, yeah. it was just... It, I mean, there was no acting required, really. Yeah. Stunt work, fine, but not acting. Yeah. And it, they, yeah, she she ended up just phoning yeah. it in. So they, so they make it through the corridor and they fry the Red Queen. Yes. Um, and this has the unintended side effect of unlocking, of unlocking every door in the hive. And this is A where... A weird we, security protocol. Yeah. And this is where we now get the scene where Rain approaches the first zombie of the film. Yes. And is bitten on the hand. Yes. Then they decide, like, another guy, I can't remember the guy's JD. name. JD. JD, yes. It. And whenever anyone says JD, I just think of Scrubs. I just think of Jack Daniels. Well, there you go. Because, <laughs> man, 
How terrible a show is Scrubs, Jesus Christ. I like Scrubs. Oh, it's terrible. Oh, come on, it's fun. It's, no, it's not, it's not funny at all. Oh, okay. Zach well, Braff is a, a creep. Oh, Zach Braff's character is not what I enjoy that much mm. in Scrubs. It's like Dr. Cox is Dr. the Dr. Cox is the best part yeah, Well, absolutely, and, anyway, and I love you like the janitor. Anyway, we're getting off topic. So he, he comes <laughs> to her aid and fires five pistol shots into yep. this zombie. That doesn't work. The so zombie keeps coming. So she uh, rain riddles it with machine, machine gun, gun rounds. Players. And then we do get, which I will admit is one of my favourite lines in the film, which JD, you know, shocked in disbelief, goes, I shot her five times. How is she still standing? And Michelle Rodriguez being, you know, let's be honest, Michelle Rodriguez plays the same part over and over she again. She plays Michelle but Rodriguez. she plays it well. Yeah, it's like Arnie. Yeah. Arnie plays Arnie, and that's fine. She literally, you know, bandaging her wound just goes... Bitch isn't standing now. <laughs> yeah. Now, here's the thing. This is what I was trying to get out with the uh, talking about the cheese element. Um, I don't... That would be the closest to any quote in this film that may sit in our quotes of all time, mm. like cheesy quotes of all time. But I actually think it's too cool to sit yeah, in no, the cheesy no, no. quotes of all time. Yeah, it's not cheesy. It's cool. No, but it's actually the only line that would even get near fitting. Mm. Because none of the... Like, this, I know what you mean in, in terms of it not being cheesy enough. There's no other line. There's no lines then, if you don't count this one, that would fit into being super cheesy and hilarious. Like, what the hell is this? Yeah, it's not hilarious, but it is cheesy. It's corny in a bad way. Yeah, it's skipping ahead slightly. Sure. When you find out who the traitor is, and you get this "I'm missing you already" line gets repeated twice. Yeah, yeah. Uh, going back and forth each way. Yep. Now, this bit, this is the bit that annoys me, because this is the moment where this film loses all of its potential. Yep. So, the groups reconvene, Yep. and you get this scene where they're looking at... The, the, the zombie is gone. Yep. And they see all the blood from where they shot her, and they notice it's coagulated. And Matt, Eric Mabius's character, yep. uh, goes, this looks coagulated, but that's not possible. Well, why not? Because blood doesn't do that until after you're dead. Yeah. And that's good. And then you get this nice build-up where um, you actually, the first thing you hear is you can hear like a sound like metal on concrete. Yep. And we, the audience, see it's an axe being dragged along the floor. And then you start to hear the footsteps. And there's actually, for a brief moment in this film, <laughs> there's tension, yeah. there's suspense, because it's like, oh shit, how many of these things are there? And then the bloody early 2000s heavy metal soundtrack kicks in. Yep. Bullets are flying everywhere. And it's just like, oh, really? no, this isn't Resident Evil. And people can sit there all they want now and go, Resident Evil is action as well. Yeah, it is now. It, it wasn't. wasn't then. And let's be honest, other than a handful of COD fans, the majority of the hardcore Resident Evil fan base view the noughties and early 2010s, the, the era between Resident Evil 4 and, and Resident Evil 7, they view that as a dark time in this franchise when it completely lost weight or, you know, returning to form with sure. Seven. And I, I, I don't know if it's true. To be fair, there's, there's evidence to suggest that Capcom were always going to take the games in an action sure. direction. But I personally, in my own headcanon, I do blame the success of this movie mm. on the fact that they went so action-oriented. Yeah, it probably was that they were going to take it more action, but I think they probably lent harder on it. Yeah. because of this though I think that's more to do Resident Evil 5 than it is 4 Resident yeah. Evil 4 it's, because it had so many different versions I think that they genuinely were trying to feel out 
a new direction and it, yeah. I think it, the action slightly more action element yeah. was just kind of tacked on a bit though one of their one of their concepts became Devil May Cry which is full action oriented yeah. so I'm not sure if that's based on this film or if that's just because that's uh, where uh, Sh- is it Shinji Mikami who did number four he did yeah yeah so I think you might and, be just trying to find an action route to be so. fair th- this is the tamest of the films this one isn't too ridiculous at any point, I don't think. No, and I think that's that's part of it. Why, we Whereas, can't find a line where it's literally like, what, how the hell did that yeah, slip into the screen? These, these films get ridiculous. Like, so ridiculous, you can classify them as Redick. Yeah, I mean... well, right. Should we call them the Chronicles of Redick? No. <laughs> well, just the second one. The second film has a sequence where Alice sprints down the side of a building with gravity taking nearly an effect on her. Well, she doesn't need gravity. She's Alice. Exactly. Exactly. Anyway, so in this battle, we end up losing JD, don't we? Yeah, he gets pulled into a crowd of zombies and disappears as he's torn apart, but we don't see much of it. We just, you know, see see a few close-ups. You see hands clamouring over his face as he gets pulled in, and that's about it. You get a kind of cheesy line here, because they're trying to put a code in the door, and in the confusion, they keep getting it wrong, don't they? Yeah. And he finally gets it, and he... Rookie mistake. Like, what soldier would do this? Turns his back to the he, opening yeah, door. He, the keypad goes ding, 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 because you got it right. And he turns back to his team and he goes, you see how easy that was? Meanwhile, behind him, the doors slide open and there's about 50 zombies in there. Yeah, yeah. That all happens. They managed to escape somehow into like a, a into a sub area. It's not really explained. This is where the, f- is the film this when is... they end up in the sewer bits. No, not quite yet. This is where they end up all walking off in their own directions. Oh, after yeah. they, they see the, the the film loses its cohesion yes. at this point, so they all somehow kind of escape. And then, for whatever reason, Alice decides to wander off on her own yeah, into the kennels. S- they all split up, but there's never a scene where they explain like, why. In a horror film, don't get me wrong, I don't mind people splitting up in a horror film because it's a tried and true thing that always happens. They even parody that in Jeepers Creepers. Mm. But you need to at least have the scene where some idiot goes, I think we should split up and look for clues. You don't just introduce it visually and go, well, and just accept it. There's and to no- be fair, there's a lot of this film that feels like. Paul Anderson didn't know how to get from scene to scene. Yeah. So he just cuts to this CGI model of the hive. Yeah. With a blinking red dot to show where they are in the building. Yep. And you're like, yes, but how did they get there? There's basically missing sections, which I can understand that in some way, if it's meant to sort of show that the hive is so vast that you couldn't possibly show all of it. Mm. If you're trying to ramp up tension, actually having a smaller area... And like closing off escape routes as you go would have been a better way to ramp up the tension as the yeah. film went on. So now we've lost that escape route because it's full of zombies. We've lost that escape route because there's a liquor there. We've lost that escape yeah. route. That would have built up tension because you know that they're limiting their options more and more. Whereas with this film, because they're just buggering around every, everywhere and nowhere, you don't really get a feel as to how desperate the situation is, where the way outs are, how yeah. many way outs are left. And this thing, like, so one of the key things of older Resident Evil games, and again, newer Resident Evil games, so let's take the mansion in the first one. Yeah. When you first get to the mansion, you are just left to wander around, right? And what you'll quickly realise, what most players quickly realise, is... Quite early on, if if you go the route the game wants you to go, you will find the back door to the mansion quite quickly. Yeah. And the door is locked and needs... So in the original, four crests to open it. 
Yeah. And that then becomes your objective, find the crests. I would have been absolutely fine if what had have happened is they'd have found the next door they needed to go through and it needed, say, three key cards yep. to get through. And then someone said, well, we're on it because th- th- this time limit... That they, comes it, out of nowhere. That comes out of nowhere. Yeah. It turns out they're going to get sealed in the hive. In an hour. Bring that in earlier yep. and then be like, right, we don't have time to go look for each one as a group. Let's split into three groups and go look for these key cards. That would have felt, A, more like Resident Evil, yep. and two, would have given you a, a reason at least split. a justification to split. Well, here's the thing as well. With that one-hour timing that comes out of nowhere, after they get through the laser corridor, Rain states, oh, we're, we're, it's fine, we'll just sit here and wait for backup, and then yeah. someone has to tell her, oh, backup won't be coming. Yeah. She's like, what? So she was fine at that point to wait for backup. And then later on, she's the one who introduces the fact that there is actually only an hour time limit left. Mm. So how did she think that the backup was going to come? Yeah. I don't understand. Was she that dumb? She was like, we've only got an hour, but backup will turn up at some point. Yeah. Obviously they won't. Yeah. It's where a lot of this script feels like a first draft that hasn't been gone over again to iron out all the creases. So yeah, Alice goes walking in the kennels, faces off with initially one gore dog and then has to fight off a, a group of seven to be fair apparently paul anderson did rewrite this script loads of times including right up to production i was reading earlier on imdb rain was actually meant to die at the part where jd dies right yeah and then there were a bunch of rewrites okay but whether jd survived longer or rain survived longer oh, i'm not saying it would make the film any better no no no, no. I'm but just that's, saying that's it's not... not his first draft okay in his uh, defense, that, which that, I never thought I'd do. But you know what? That's actually worse. Yeah, yeah, I agree. To have gone over it and poured that much time and attention over yeah. it and not ironed out these creases. Because he's terrible. Okay. And I, I, I just want to give myself a safety net here because my, my film's going to be coming out hopefully next year, the one I've made. In my defense, one, my first ever feature film made for literally like 1% of the budget of this film. Hmm. And two, I'm a hypocrite. I admit, okay, like my film has got problems. I admit there are plot holes in it. There are things that don't make sense. Point is, we're not here to discuss Candy Heart. We're here to discuss Resident Evil and how garbage it is. Well, you know you could get around some of those plot holes just by inserting a CGI element of a hive Mm. that they travel from one location to another. I'll do a CGI model of Benton's house. There you go. That's Um, the one. So they split up and Alice goes into some officers, doesn't she? No, she goes into the kennels. Oh, she does the kennels first. No, no, she does the kennels. Matt goes into the offices. And then Alice finds him. Yeah. Right. So Alice so she goes up... to the kennels and we yeah. get the Cerberus. Yeah, so she fights one... Well, she doesn't fight one. She runs away from one twice, mm. locks that into an office. Mm. Then she's confronted by about six or seven of them. Yeah. She shoots one and th- we see at the back of the bullet, like this slow-mo CGI-like Matrix-style camera yeah. spin around as the bullet travels. On the back, it's got like 9mm umbrella. Because they make bullets as well now, as well as yeah, viruses. Uh, yeah, it's like uh, Umbrella Pharmaceuticals, here's our branded bullets. Yeah. Why would you have branded and, bullets? And, and let's give this film a bit of credit here. The dogs, for the most part, Look good. are puppets or practical dogs in makeup. Yep. And you can watch a feature on the DVD, if you so choose, where they tell you about how they had a really hard time getting the dogs to keep the makeup on because the dogs kept, kept licking it off. It off. <laughs> um, they didn't do CGI, which I'll, I'll give them that. 
and yeah. the, the only CGI in this film is the laser corridor and the liquor, isn't it? Yeah, I believe so. There's, oh, there, and the Red Queen, of course. There may be a little bit of hit here and there, but it's so small as to not be noticeable, which is good. That's how you want your CGI yes, to be. you have the zombie that's only got half a head. That's yeah, yeah. CGI as so well. So there's a couple of bits. Um, they've probably done that part green screen as well by painting the actor's face or something. They did, yeah, I've yeah. seen the making so, of. Which is cool. That's all cool. I don't have a problem with that. But some of the CGI later on is a bit ropey. We'll get to that. Um, so Alice fights off these zombie dogs, manages to basically jump kick them all to death, showcasing her full Mary Sue character where she's super invincible. Yeah, because she doesn't have... Later on, she gets superpowers. She doesn't have any superpowers in this No, film. she's just a security guard, and but apparently now she's a security guard that has epic kung fu skills mm. to defeat zombie dogs in yeah. single kicks. And then we follow Matt, who's in an office looking for his sister, Lisa, and trying to find the information that Lisa was trying to leak out to him. It turns out he was a mole, mm. or she was a mole for him. Yeah, because he's and, a cop, isn't he? Yeah, and then Lisa comes in, but Lisa is a zombie. She just looks kind of more human, just a bit pale, and the way she holds herself is, you know, stiff and a bit zombie-ish, yeah. but not fully zombo. Zombo? Zombified. <laughs> I don't know why I said Zombo. Zomboid. Uh, so she goes up to him and he's like, oh, Lisa. And he thinks she's going like, to be like, oh, it's you, and give him a cuddle. And then obviously she tries to bite him and Alice shoots her and kills her. Um, and is this where Alice regains part of her memory? Yeah, and well, it happens multiple times. She realises yeah. that she was Lisa's contact and was helping her get the information yes. out. Yes, that's right. Because, you know, we needed something to redeem Alice at this point. Because up to this point in the film, obviously she's got amnesia, but all we know about her is that she definitely works for Umbrella, yep. and Umbrella do evil shit. Mm. So she's technically a villain at this point in the film. Mm-hmm. Um, and she tells Matt, and Matt's all like, damn you, blah, blah, blah. But they kind of make up, don't they? Yeah, well, I think they've got the hots. So, <laughs> but yeah, they, they at least they make up as at least as friends. I suppose you've got to work together at this point if you're not if you're certain you're not going to betray one another. So they reactivate the Red Queen because they're out of options. They don't know how they're going to get through, where they're going to go. So they reactivate the Red Queen and they follow her suggested path, all as a team going through the subway tunnels. Mm. And while they're down there, they're attacked by a huge amount of zombies. Yeah. And most crawl, they have to end up crawling atop pipes mm. above the zombies mm. in order to try and escape. And uh, just a fun fact about how dangerous Paul Anderson's sets are. Mm -hmm. uh, Mia Jovovich actually injured three crew members during this scene. Yep. Um, including him, uh, Paul W.S. Anderson inc himself. Including Paul Anderson himself. Yep, which I'm sure you're happy about. <laughs> well. <laughs> Kicked him in the face, I think it says. Where is it? Right hooked Paul W.S. Anderson in the face. And by the end, she hurt three cast and crew members yeah yeah so uh, yeah so it wasn't a particularly safe shoot this part and to add on top of that by the way there's also another all minor cuts and bruises on Mila Jovovich are real yeah so they're not makeup so she got injured herself while making this now that's that sounds like it should be cool it's like, oh, they really put the effort into this. I think that's why they added it as trivia. But it's meant but, to be a film. It's meant yeah. to be fake. Yeah, it's, it, if it was a boxing match, look how many punches he took. You're like, okay, because it's a boxing match. If you're filming something and it's like she's meant to, you know, get cut in the face, you don't slice mm. the actress in the face and go, oh, mm. she really put the effort in this This, this is why I get annoyed when people watch films like The Expendables and they'll be like, oh, yeah, Stone Cold and Sylvester Sloan actually just knocked each other out. That's not cool. That's not doing your job properly. Yep. I mean, there's been danger for Stallone on one of the Rocky films where he was against uh, 
what's his name, the Swedish guy? Uh, Dolph Lundgren. Dolph Lundgren. And Dolph Lundgren punched him at too hard during one of their mm. rehearsals. Stallone went to bed that night. He woke up with like, really horrendous chest pains. Had to get rushed to hospital. They found out his heart had rotated. Jesus! From the force of the punch. So they had to massage his heart back into position. And after a bit of recovery time, they went back into rehearsing the fight sequences. And Stallone spanked him in the face and went, right, we're even. This is what I mean. Oh, yeah, they're really roughing each other up in that ring. You know, you know, it's really proper. And it's like, nearly killed a man. Rotated yeah. his damn heart with a single punch to the, to the chest. Yeah. For a film. <clears throat> For a film. And also at the risk of, you know undermining my own point how fucking strong is Dolph Lundgren Jesus Christ I mean look at him he's strong he's, he's, he's not going to be a wuss is he Dolph Lundgren no I know, but, like a, no, I know but rotating out. someone's heart with, with a, a single punch, punch. Right, yeah he's literally he might actually be the real life version of one punch man yeah <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, we've got to get through the rest of this. So there's a shed load of zombies down here. There's like thousands of them, which is like makes you question how many employees were in this hive. Yeah. How would you keep a thousand employees secret? secret? You know, oh, we're just going to work in this secret hive, all thousand of us. Rain's character is zombifying slowly as we're going through because of the bite. And let's be clear, she's the best character in the film. Yes, and actually... And I have has to, the best journey. And I will give praise to... Uh, Paul W. Sanderson for this because her journey and the way she, she starts losing a vision and stuff like that mm. really does match up well with the itchy tasty diary from the games yeah I mean she doesn't get itchy it's, no no or... it's not the same progression but it matches up well with the idea that there is this slow degeneration yeah. and that you can still keep your mental faculties and be yourself while the transformation is exactly. occurring to a certain level they leave Kaplan behind because he falls into a pit of zombies and he basically tells them to leave him behind. He has one bullet left. Because he's stranded on a separate duct from them, isn't yeah, he? Yeah, the duct breaks them. and he's left abandoned. He looks like he's going to shoot himself and kill himself, but he ends up, can't do it, shoots a zombie, and then finds an alternative route, and yeah. we don't see him until later in Scream, the film. Screams at them, because I quite like this line as well. Uh, you're going to have to work <laughs> for your meal. Yeah, that's quite a good line. We then get a flashback, and the only reason I ended this is there's a flashback of them injecting viruses into the white rabbit, and this is just so that Miller Jovovich's Alice character can remember that there is an antidote as mm. well as a virus. The antivirus, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I was always just wondering, injecting the white rabbit, is this how the rabbit from Monty Python's Holy Grail was made? What rabbit? You don't remember the white rabbit, Monty Python's Holy Grail? There's like the, uh, what is it, the demon of Mount Banner. I saw my arm and I was so scared. Look, that rabbit's got a vicious street a mile wide. It's a killer. Get It'll do you a treat, mate. Oh, yeah? Manky Scots git. I'm warning you. What's he do? Nibble your bum? He's got huge, sharp... He can leap about... Look at the bones! Go on, boys. Chop his head off. Right, silly little bleeder. One rabbit suit coming right up. And the rabbit goes for the guy's neck and his head comes off. Right. (laughs) Jesus Christ! I warned you... I've done it again. I warned you, but did you listen to me? Oh, no, you knew it all, didn't you? Oh, it's just a harmless little bunny, isn't it? Well, it's always the same. I always oh, tell them, up. do they listen to me? Tight. Oh, no. Mate, have you not seen Monty Python's Holy Grail? I have, and I hated it so much, I stopped paying attention to oh, it. Dude, I can't believe it. you hated it. It's a great film. Uh, Br- British humour 
doesn't do it for you. Okay, we will have to agree to disagree on that one as well. So, douchebag boyfriend, because I don't actually know his name. Spence, okay. Well, you said there's no Oswald E. Spencer, but there's Spence. Spence is not the same as Oswell E. Spencer. Yeah, but that's to add suspense. I'm not, I'm not going to fill this silence. <laughs> I'm going to let it sit. So, douchebag boyfriend Spence betrays them because he remembers that he was the guy taking the virus and I think he was going to sell them or something and betray everyone anyway. Well, he knew Alice was going to betray. Right. So he's going to sell them and get a bunch of money. Yeah, he's going to betray them before they betray Umbrella. The Red Queen decides to send a liquor on him. Yeah. She was actually going to release it to kill all of them anyway. Yeah. Uh, it just so happens that she lets them know that he's going to die because he reaches the train before all of they do because he locks them in a room that they can't get out of Yeah, and he gets mauled by the liquor uh, as they watch on a TV set Rain uh, no we're not there yet sorry Kaplan then presses the button to kill the Red Queen because he's somehow made it out well just before that the Red Queen does offer to let them out in exchange for Rain's life because Alice and Matt aren't infected. Right. So she says, um, as long, basically, give up Rain, kill her, and I will let you out, and you can escape. And um, Rain is all like, do it, kill me, kill me. Yeah. And Alice is like, I can't. And uh, you get this scene where Alice lifts the axe, and you think she's going to do it, but then she slams it into the monitor of yeah. the Red Queen, and suddenly all the power goes out, and yeah. then the door opens, and you realise that Kaplan has... has just pressed the button to kill the Red Queen yeah. again. But while this is happening, the mutated liquor has now turned up, and he's trying to get into the room. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, that doesn't happen, because they all run for the train, don't they? So mm. they make a, a, a sprint for the train... When they get on there, Rain gets the antidote injected into her, but it is stated that at this state, later stage, it might not work. The liquor then attacks the train as they try and escape. This whole end segment, while it's, I suppose, potentially quite thrilling, the I don't know why, it just comes off a bit cheap. And I'm not just talking about the fact that the CGI is quite ropey. Some of the deaths here feel a bit weird and a bit cheap. So Rain turns into a zombie anyway. Yeah. which kind of makes the whole rush for pushing her to the exit feel a bit superfluous. Yeah. Kaplan um, is just disposed of just disposed. no second thought. No, and it's just like, this guy's had a whole story arc to himself we've not actually seen. Yeah. You know, he, somehow he escaped from the impossible and saved all their lives, and it's not even a heroic death, it's just he's driving the train, looks at the liquor, goes, oh, and then gets pulled out as if, oh, well, never mind. Also, quick sidebar... Again, Mr. Biggest Resident Evil fan in the world, Paul Anderson, um, likes to boast about how this sequence, how this train Mm. is the exact train from Resident Evil 2. Uh, But he actually got the name of it wrong, which most Resident Evil fans will notice. The train in Resident Evil 2 is called the Galaxy 5000, and his is called the Alexi 5000. Just a little bit of trivia for you. Maybe that was a nudge-nudge about Alexia. From Code Veronica. I'm doing my best. I'm trying to help him out. (laughs) Come on, Paul. Give me some backup. Uh, So white tank top dude, Matt, has to kill Rain. When the liquor first attacks, it claws through the side of the carriage. Yes, he has three. And it scratches his arm. arm. Now, nothing happens yet, but something does later. We'll get there. We'll get there. So in order to fight off the liquor, when Rain is shot dead, she just so happens to fall back onto a button that opens a hatch in the middle of the train. I don't know why this hatch is there. It's a loading hatch. From underneath the train where the rails are? Yeah. I don't believe there would be a loading... How would you get anything through the rail? But that's that's what what it's supposed to be. Okay. So the liquor then falls through it, 
onto the rail and it starts to grind. Uh, now, what would actually happen if you ground meat, whether it's mutated meat or not, You it, basically the force of that would essentially tear burn through. Yeah, it would tear flesh. It would actually burn it off you uh, in, in the formation of where it is. So where the rail is actually touching the liquor is where it would burn it off until it's sliced all the way through you. That doesn't happen in this film. All that happens is it's screaming, you get sparks coming off of its chest as it's grinding, and then for whatever reason, that's never explained, it just explodes. It bursts into flame. It bursts into really tacky, cheap CGI flames that look very obviously fake. They close the door, the little hatch, and the rest of... which cuts off the liquor's tongue which is what it's doing using to hold itself in and you just get the left this terrible cgi explosion as the train goes around the corner to safety with only matt and alice aboard so they escape they manage to get out in time before the shutters close and uh, there's a minute where alice is having an emotional moment we let them all down and betrayed them i can't i cannot believe and Matt's like, no, don't worry, darling, this is how it is. It's just we did what we could. And then he starts getting pains in his arm, and his arm starts, like, wobbling on him. Uh, yeah, and like then undulating. Yeah, and then uh, all of a sudden these little... Sp- tendrils. Bits, yeah, they become tendrils later, but they look like little nipples start coming out of his arm. <laughs> <laughs> Teats! Uh, <laughs> Ah, finally some spillage. Yeah, spillage. We get spillage in this film. Actually, we do get spillage in this film, don't we? Or not... Uh, anyway, so he, he starts to mutate, and as this happens, like a hazmat, guy hazmat guys come in. They grab this guy, and they go, oh, this guy looks like he's mutating. We want him in the Nemesis program. Did you get that, fans? He Did said you Nemesis. hear it? Nemesis. Now, you mentioned something to me about the name, the, the naming of Nemesis, mm. and why it works for what it is in the games, but why it doesn't work being just thrown in here as a cheap... Yeah, Nudge. so so in the games, the Nemesis project is called Nemesis after the Greek goddess of vengeance because Umbrella are specifically designing their latest bioweapon to take revenge on stars because obviously stars ruined their plans in the first and tried to expose them in the first game. Um, that hasn't happened here. Who are Umbrella getting vengeance on? Yeah, so they just seem to call it Nemesis just as a name drop. It's it's purely because Nemesis is one of the most iconic creatures in the franchise. Yeah. And it's just like, hey, fans. Hey, do you like this? So, which does mean, however, that this is technically the only character from this film, other than Alice, to make an appearance in in the second film as well, even though it's not the same actor. Because Nemesis appears in the second film, doesn't he? Yes, he does. Uh, I'm just trying to work out... Yes, because although Jason Isaacs is actually in this scene and was meant to be in the sequel, he actually had to drop out due to commitments to Harry Potter and was replaced with Ian Glenn. Oh, but then the character does come back. So the same as this guy doesn't play Nemesis in the second one. Jason Isaacs doesn't play his same character, but the character returns. No, no, he doesn't. So Jason Isaacs (laughs) was meant to be William Birkin. Who is from the games? He's no, the no, no. I know, I know who William Birkin one. is, but um, but I'm just saying that. So you've Jim, got three characters that carry no, over no, from no, us to that. Then in the second film, a different character is created to fill oh. the function William Birkin. Will so fill. That, that so they essentially retcon Jason Birkin Isaac's out. characters being yeah. Birkin. It's just a diff- some doctor that's never mentioned by yeah. name. Okay, all right, fair enough then. Uh, so yeah, so Nemesis is the only one that continues other than Alice. So, yeah, as we mentioned, Jason Isaacs, who, for me, is mostly well-known to me personally, though 
I know you've got you can add other credits to his name. For me, I know him as the first captain of the uh, Discovery in Star Trek Discovery. Uh, but you also know him from Harry Potter. Yeah, he's Lucius Malfoy in the Harry Potter movies. There you go. Uh, father of Draco Malfoy. Ah. Uh, he was in a show called Brotherhood. And actually, at the time... So it turns out, I was looking up how they got him. Because mm. he wasn't paid, I don't think, for this. Oh, okay. Uh, he is actually, in real life, he is actually friends with Paul Anderson. And he was busy filming the Tuxedo, the Jackie Chan action comedy <laughs> movie at this point. Yep. Um, and he took a day off from the set to come and film his quick scene in Resident Evil. That's really cool. It's a shame it didn't get to continue, I suppose, but he, he chose to play in Harry Potter, which, which was the right decision. Right, the decision if you're talking about having a decent career. So, yeah, we end up with that. We have Jason Isaac saying something about, you know, experimenting on someone. We then see... And it would appear to be something like months later. Yeah, yeah, we've no idea how long really. Yes, have we? time has passed, but we don't know how much. Alice awakes in this really clinical medical room on a medical bed. She's pretty much completely naked, except for two sheets of paper. For Held some together reason. by string. Held to, or set, is it string or sellotape? No, it's like little strings. Right, yeah, over each side, like on the back side and the front side, which leave the sides fully exposed, and the rest of her fully exposed when she collapses to the floor afterwards. You, 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 see, you see her vagina. She's got all this stuff wired into her head that she pulls out to try and get away, and then when she escapes, she puts like a, a doctor's robe over herself yeah. or something, and she walks out in this almost completely barren... And she yeah, this cars crash. She goes into the this. city, and we can see it's essentially the setup to Resident Evil Two, where all the cars have crashed, the city's yeah, ruined. It's daytime though, not night. Yeah, the um, windows are smashed, and you do get—I'll give them this. This was a nice touch. You get the front page of the Raccoon Times um, that has the headline from I think it's Resident Evil Three, where it says "The Dead Walk." Nice. So, I mean, that's the film in its entirety in terms of its story. I'll go through a couple of extra bits and then we'll discuss our view on mm. the film itself uh, as a summation. Bodies from the laser hallway disappear when they come back through it later on in the film. Yeah. Now, I think that's a mistake. However, Paul W. S. Anderson has Claimed said it's that reference, it's referencing yeah. that the fact that bodies disappear in the, in the games. games. Which they do, yeah. But I don't think that's a reference because yeah. it, none of the other bodies seem to disappear. Yeah, I think it's a mistake. Because the guy who get like the, the the bad boyfriend doesn't his body never disappears. Yeah, Milovi Jovovich did all of her own stunts except for the pipe jump apparently, and that was because her agents wouldn't let her do it. Yep. they were worried she would get tangled in the wires. Yep. Originally titled Resident Evil Ground Zero because it was in production during the year two thousand two thousand one. Uh, however. After 9-11, they decided to remove the subtitle, which yeah. I think is absolutely the right choice. A lot of films were affected by 9-11, and I, I mean, obviously there was a lot worse to be affected by 9-11 than just some films, but I remember the original Spider-Man movie originally had an ending where he stopped something going into or through the 9-11 Twin Towers by spinning a big web, and they had to rewrite and refilm the entire end sequence because that was no longer going to fly. The main actors were told to prep by buying and playing the original game. Yes, uh, but some of them were worried they wouldn't be able to complete it, so they actually got they paid other people to play it for them. She completely denies the experience, really, doesn't it? Paul W. Sanderson and Mila Jovovich got engaged the following year, so about 2003. And that thus guaranteeing that we would have to deal with her in all six of these yep. movies. And now Monster Hunter as well. <sighs> Aren't we lucky? Presidents of Capcom Japan and Capcom America apparently have cameos as zombies. Yeah. 
Originally, Sarah Michelle Gellar was going to play Alice, so it wasn't going to be Mila Jovovich. However, um, Sarah Michelle Gellar turned it down because she didn't like the violence, and specifically, she didn't like the nudity. Which, considering, as we say, we saw full Jovovich, uh, I can understand why Michelle Gellar probably looked at that and went, uh, you don't need to see all of that. So, yeah, quite possibly. Sony wanted a PG-13, but you'll love this. Paul W. Sanderson insisted that to be true to the game, it must be an R rating. Now, that is true. That so is true. He did one thing right. Yeah, so, I mean, we have to give him his props there. Alexia is shown at the front of the underground tram as a serial number, apparently. No, no, that's what I was saying. But that's about not Alexia. Alexia. So it actually says on IMDb Alexia. Yeah, it doesn't. But it say doesn't. It says Alexi. Yeah. So, fair enough. Miljovovich ADR'd all her lines. Yes. And she'd used her speaking voice on set, but looped in with a deeper voice. And this will make you happy. It appeared on Roger Ebert's most hated list. Yes, Roger Ebert famously yep. hates this movie. Although James Cameron lists this as one of his guilty pleasure movies. I mean, that's, that's fine because a guilty pleasure movie is by itself a definition like a film that you know is bad but you still enjoy. Yeah. And I can understand that. If somebody really enjoys this film, I don't have a problem with that. Yeah. So long as they don't think it's, you know, a Shakespearean work of art, that's a different thing entirely. Yeah. You know, you can have guilty pleasures. I don't care about that. So I think that will pretty much be done as far as the storyline and all the in-depth background. So I think all we've got left to come to is, Jamie, would you recommend this film? (laughs) Now, bear in mind, it's not just for Resident Evil fans. This is a complex answer. Because here's the thing. If you are the kind of person who has no taste... If you're the kind of person who thinks Fast and Furious movies are good movies, or... Aren't they the best? Or Need for Speed, or... No, 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 you've Doom. not seen Need for Speed. Don't you slag off Need for Speed until you've seen if it. If you think those sorts of films... Or Michael Bay pictures, if you think Michael Bay pictures yeah, are good... Michael Bay then, sucks. And you have no passion for the franchise, mm. this might be for you. Okay. However, if you're a Resident Evil fan, don't watch it... And if you are a horror fan or someone looking to get into zombie movies, mm. this is not the one to watch. As we've already acknowledged, the fucking computer kills nearly everyone in the film. How, uh, just a question, though. You said um, if you're into horror movies, don't watch this. Do you not think it could be like a gateway drug? No, because this is barely a horror movie. It's really it's an, action an action movie. Film. Okay, um, and that And that becomes more so. And I've got to say as well, like this is the only one where I will even be this lenient with because it is all downhill from here. Yeah. Um, this is the... this I, like, I often like to say this is the only franchise I can think of where each subsequent film makes the one before it look better in comparison. Yeah. Because they're that bad. So if only they kept going, this one would look like it was a mm. Shakespearean sonnet. Yeah. But but <laughs> but if you like if you do like dumb action movies with some zombies in them, but not scary zombies, just zombies that are going to be cannon just fodder. Just cannon fodder, yeah. Then I could see how you could get some enjoyment from this. And it pains me to say that. I have physical chest pain right now. Um, but would you recommend it to, to the general audience? Obviously, every, anyone who's if, if for a, just a blank, If it was just a blanket statement to yep. a general audience, like, no, I wouldn't. Okay. Because I don't think there's enough people who'd enjoy You'd it. Only specifically to those who might want an action story that has some zombiness. Yeah, and those who have no tastes. Okay, mm. okay. Would I recommend it then? That's the question. I, I actually don't know how to answer this because, like, and it's not a case of, oh, I don't want to upset Jamie by saying I would because... 
I, yeah, there, there is a knife pointed at his throat right now. <laughs> no, actually, no. Being honest, I, I don't know if I'd recommend it or not. Because for me, this isn't the most egregious and worst film, and you know, terrible. And I don't have anything as personal as you do with Resident Evil to go. This has broken my precious. But at the same time, I do appreciate that. It's not a great film. At best, if I was to rate it, it'd be a five out of ten. It's, it's dead average. You know, it does some things well. It does some things really badly, and it's enough to be enjoyable. I wouldn't switch it off, but I don't know if I could recommend it. I don't. Would you recommend a five out of ten? You know what I mean? It's that's where I'm at. It's not a terrible film. It's not a brilliant film. It's just kind of a. You know what? I will go with a yes on the recommendation. Yeah. And I'll tell you why I'll go with a yes. I think because it's so brainless and it's so inoffensive, I think there would be an audience for this. Now, I wouldn't be doing this with the entire series. I'll make that very clear. Certainly by the time we get to Extinction, that would not be my viewpoint. Extinction is dog shit absolutely so i'm not this isn't a a blanket yes to the series but this film in specific i would recommend for a cheesy fun action Mm. romp like just a brainless thing not but it's not high art it's not ingenious it's not got nothing in it that will sizzle it's a mediocre five out of ten yeah that you could enjoy as background noise. Yeah. So I'd recommend it on that ground uh, because it's inoffensive. And to be honest, compared to some of the stuff we've watched, like Postal and that, it's practically Shakespearean anyway. So... (laughs) Yeah. Uh, That's how low the bar's been set by Uwe Boll, is that this film is a positive average. Um, Yeah. Uh, So I'd recommend you wouldn't recommend. Ironically, uh, just a weird fun fact... Uwe Boll is a German gentleman who comes to America to make most of his films. Yep. Paul Anderson actually made this film in Germany. Wow. Um, because he was struggling to get any financing in America because he had a bit of a bad name after the failure of Event Horizon. Wow, which is ironic because that's technically one of his best films in yeah, retrospect. It, it did not do well it at didn't the box do office. Well, no. um, so there's only one more question to ask because this is coming out on the 3rd. <laughs> so, you know... Let everyone peek behind the curtain. We're actually recording this in advance. Yep, quite but a lot in advance. <laughs> but this will come out on the third of December, which means in a in a few short hours, we will be watching Resident Evil: Welcome to Raccoon City. Absolutely, will be. Um, looking forward to it, Rory. I am. I'm actually. You know what? I have my worries because unlike you, where you're excited about the low budgetness of it because of the B movie connections, mm. that does worry me. However. I will say I found it hilarious when I watched... There's, there's a guy on YouTube called Nerdrotic who mm. I used to follow quite a bit, but it's gotten into a point where he's part of a huge chasm of Moni movie. But, you know, they sit there and go, oh, look at the women in this. I'll look at the... I'm like, dude, that's not what I'm... You know, I was interested in the behind-the-scenes stuff and that sort of disappeared into sort of anti-wokeness, which is yeah. a shame. And he's got this guy on there who is a terrible YouTuber mm. called Hell's Baby. Um... And he, he, because he, I wanted to learn more about Welcome to Raccoon City, and I thought, well, he used to do decent behind the scenes. I'll look at this. When the first five pictures from Resident Evil Welcome mm. to Raccoon City came out, I went and watched his 20 minute thing with Heels Baby. Now, I hate Heels Baby because I thought he was a racist, and he proved to be a racist during that diatribe that they had. There was nothing of value in it, but here's the thing that really peeved me off. 
that guy, he was like, I'm a big Resident Evil fan, like you did. You know, I'm a big Resident Evil fan. I know all about the canon, and this is why this is offensive to me, blah, blah, blah. They got to the fifth picture, which is Lisa Trevor. Now, I'm not the biggest Resident Evil fan, but I know Lisa Trevor. This guy didn't know Lisa Trevor. He was just like, well, it looks like, because Lisa Trevor's got faces glued basically onto her own face yeah. in different places and so one of the faces is facing the camera but she's not physically facing the camera mm. and he's like look the face looks really weird it doesn't look real and there's hair coming out of the eye socket they obviously didn't know what they were doing and they got it wrong blah 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 I'm like and what even is this I haven't seen this before I'm like you don't know Lisa yeah. Trevor Mr. I'm the biggest fan of the fucking games yeah, Right. How do you not know yeah. this character? So there's a lot of pomp and bullshattery, yeah. and I want to be sure that I'm not part of that crowd, yeah. but I am worried about some of the low-budget look of it. Yeah. I'm very... Uh, I'm excited, and I kind of hate myself for being excited, because I thought after six Anderson films, I'd never feel excitement for a Resident Evil film ever again. Um, and they don't really... I think what helps is... Uh, I was a lot younger when I saw the Anderson films, and to be fair, I went into them expecting them to be literal adaptations of the game. Yeah. I have now accepted that there is no chance in hell this this is going to be a literal adaptation, and probably that there never will be a literal adaptation. Uh, we already know Johannes Roberts is combining the events of Resident Evil 1 and Resident Evil 2 and missing out some major game. characters. Uh, missing out like some that. major characters. Touchwood, though... I, I, I think he's going to stick to the spirit of Resident Evil, yep. which is what Anderson didn't do. I could live with the Anderson movies if he wanted his own original main character, Alice, mm-hmm. and the other and the game characters were just going to be side characters. Yep. I could live with that if the movies were, were faithful to the spirit of the franchise, yeah. which they weren't. This looks like it's going to be. I think Lisa Trevor looks fantastic. Okay. Um... I have heard. See, so I've actually stopped watching any promos for it now. Yeah, I've done the same. I've, I've watched. I, I saw the set photos that were leaked at first. Were they leaked? I, I thought they were uh, released. I saw the leaked ones at first. Then oh, okay. I saw the official released ones. Uh, then I watched the trailer that's got the four non-blonde song in it, and I did a reaction video to it. Yeah. And I watched Johannes Roberts did a bre- the director did a breakdown of the trailer himself. Yeah. Uh, where he did reveal that there is actually one shot from the games as in actual game footage oh no in this film now I hope they don't no, no. do that a lot it's all right. no no he's done it. it's one shot he says it only lasts about two seconds and I'm pretty sure I know what shot it's going to be he says it's in the scene in the trailer we see that they've recreated the Ashford twin video where right. they're pulling the wings off the dragonfly oh that's interesting what would that be doing in there that's Code Veronica yeah yeah He's, this is what I'm saying this is why I'm really excited he is setting up Code Veronica to be the sequel if and it does well enough if it does well enough and he has basically come out and said he wants to do Code Veronica because his plan is that the main characters going forward would be Chris, Claire and Wesker which are the three key people you need for Code Veronica. Yeah. Well, um, I have to say, that would be nice, because considering that Capcom have done a great job with some of their remake series, mm. but they have completely stepped over and omitted Code Veronica, yes. which is uh, the biggest ball Like, because I do like that game, and I know yeah. you like it's that game. It's my favourite game in the franchise. Yeah. I love Code Veronica. Yeah, and it's it's a ball ache for me yeah. that they decided to screw that yeah. one off. 
by I think the shot that's going to be actual game footage is when the dragonfly actually drops into the ant tank. Okay. Because because you you can't use game footage of the animated characters because they, they just don't look realistic. No. The graphics weren't good enough back then. No. I reckon it's going to be when they drop the dragonfly in. Okay. Um. I do think he has the right idea. I think he's going to have tried well. What does worry me a bit is I've never seen a Johannes Roberts film. Yeah, that doesn't help. From the, from the titles, they all sound like sci-fi channel movies. Okay. But I'm staying positive. I'm probably going to do a little video on the day Okay. before we go in, just being like, oh, I'm so excited. Um, and I just... I don't want it to be... Exa- to be honest, the bar is so low, thanks to the Anderson films. <laughs> it can't be much lower, you think. I, I might, I'm jinxing myself officially. This film cannot possibly be worse. And just as a quick um, answer to all these anti-woke people, like, as I said in my reaction video, yeah, I know Jill isn't the same race she is in the games. I know Leon isn't. But the thing is, guys... Resident Evil, you know, it was made in the 90s. There was not a big diversity thing back then. The the entire cast of Resident Evil is white. Like, other than Marvin Branagh, the police officer in the second game, um, certainly in terms of playable characters, there are none none until Resident Evil Outbreak, when Jim, um, and in main games, not till 5, with Shavar Alomar. Yeah, that's um, a long wait to yeah, get a playable... It, yeah, it just isn't... White. In 2021, whether you agree with it or not, it's just not feasible that a studio's going to make an all-white movie. Now... Not I've, unless there's a really strong reason for mm, it, and I don't think... Well, the yeah. games didn't have white people. And they didn't have anyone but white Hannah, people, and it's good ha- enough. Hannah John Carmen, who's playing Jill Valentine is a great actress. I've seen her in stuff. Okay. She's really good. I haven't, but I, I'm not... I don't yeah. have any bias against her playing the part. I'm yeah. Just, I've been interested um, to see what she does with and it. And Leon, I've never seen that actor in anything. No, he's a British it, with a British actor with Indian heritage. I thought he was Mexican. No. Because his name's like Jorge. From what I'd heard, he was Indian with... He was British with Indian oh, okay. heritage. We'll have to look that up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll um, verify that for next week. But and to be fair, this is easy for me to say because Leon's actually one of my least favourite characters in the franchise. <laughs> so you don't care. What so I do don't with care him. that they've changed him. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I'm I'm looking forward to it, and I am. Um, I'm hopefully looking forward to our review of it next week. Absolutely. So if you want to catch up with that, join us on our Discord. Join us on, uh, well, any of our social media. Uh, Certainly in the Discord we'll be discussing the film, but we probably will have to be a bit tight-lipped on (laughs) Welcome to Raccoon City on the week running up to it, simply because we don't want to spoil anything from the episode. However, we will be interested in dialogue and your opinions. It's going to be very hard for me because I'm in lots of Resident Evil discords and, like, and the film comes out like a week before in America. Yeah. It's going to be so So it'll be so two weeks hard. late for the UK. Because, but the thing is, again, it's because it comes out on the 3rd, this is coming out on the 3rd, mm. and we've got no way of doing the whole show yeah. in time my, to on release day. My birthday's in December, and I am tempted to force all my friends to come and watch Resident Evil as part of my birthday. I might be like, look, there's no party this year because, you know, COVID's killing us all. Yeah. Um, Everyone's got to come and watch Resident <laughs> Evil. It's my birthday. If I want to watch Resident Evil, we'll watch Resident Evil. Yeah, no, that's fair play. Um, I mean, I think that's it for this episode. Thank it you is. so much for joining us, guys. 
please do feel free to follow us, as I say, on our social medias, on our Discord, as well as via Podbean, or via Apple Music, or via Google Music, or via a myriad of other things, or add us to your RSS feed. Yeah. Uh, because we are going to be doing this every week, every Friday, 5pm, uh, GMT, Greenwich Meridian Time, or Greenwich Mean Time, don't you know, uh, because we're British. Proper British. Uh, so, <laughs> do you not like the pomp? You don't like the pomp. Why are you doing a Richard Nixon? English? I have no idea. I am not a crook. I am not a crook. I am not a crook. Anyway, thank you very much for this week, guys, and we'll catch you next week for our special new release film.